And welcome to episode 86 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the bar and studio down here at DNVR off of Colfax. This place is truly incredible. Get your ass down here and support all the Mile High teams, and and uh, especially Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whichever day they play NFL football, you need to get down here and support the DNVR bar and studio. Episode 86 rolls. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here today on McChesney Unchained. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about college football and the games kicking off here on the front range uh this saturday we'll wrap up nfl uh and some great games this this uh this weekend and then obviously talk about the huge win for the broncos on the road in new england and how they can get even at three and three and uh, knock kansas city off their pedestal this sunday in the snow over at in power field so episode 86 is going to kick a lot of ass let's get going remember you can also or always follow uh me at McChesney or DNVR Unchained uh, for the show and then at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram uh, for any and all content. Uh, so <clears throat> rolling. Episode 86. Okay. So college football in the state of Colorado. Um, number one, CSU and New Mexico kick off Saturday night. Uh, I'm not, I don't really care about the game per se. I think CSU will win uh, handily. New Mexico is a struggling program. My thing is how the hell are they going to play? Um, for for the last three days, from what I've heard from Adazio, and I talked to Louis Adazio, the O-line coach, yesterday, um, and they, they've had like 20 to 25 guys out a day with, with COVID and contact tracing and things of that nature. So that's a huge issue. New Mexico's dealing with the same thing. So it's still on right now to kick off at 7 p.m. on Saturday, but I guess we'll see. I think CSU will handily win that game regardless, uh, unless – their whole damn team can't play, so we shall see. Um, Air Force at San Jose State. Air Force has already played once. Uh, they beat Navy down in the Springs uh, with the Tuskegee Airmen uniforms, which were classy as hell uh, and really good looking. Uh, San Jose State isn't a bad football team, but they're far from the quality of the Air Force Academy. Those kids down there are really damn good. Uh, 66, the left guard for Air Force, is a pro. That kid absolutely rogue-rated Navy. Uh, I, I just love what Troy Calhoun does down there and how he works with his pieces. And there's a ton of Dungeon family, a lot of six zero guys down there. Uh, so it's really good to see them them excelling and playing well. Uh, ben Garland's one of the original Dungeon family members, a guy I've been working with for going on 10 years now, starting center for the, for the San Francisco 49ers, had a great game uh, the other night. And we were talking about – the Air Force Academy, and so on and so forth. And he he seems to think that when conferences realign and everybody goes to 16, that Air Force might have a really good chance to get in to one of the big boy conferences with Army and Navy, uh, with all three of them going to different places. So that that's that's very intriguing. I didn't I haven't really uh, thought about that a whole lot. But when he brings that up, when we're just you know bullshitting around, it's pretty cool. So if you're an Air Force Academy Falcon and an alum, first of all, thank you for your service. But second. That'd be pretty damn cool to have the service academies back on an even playing field uh, with with the big boys in college football. Uh, all right, CU kicks off November 7th against UCLA. Again, the Mountain West is playing more games than the Pac-12, and that should tell you everything you need to know about the damn Pac-12, the softest basketball conference in the world. So have fun playing six whole games. Um, and then the Big Ten starts this weekend, and the only reason I'm blanging that up is because Nebraska goes to Ohio State, and I cannot wait to watch Ohio State shit stomp the hell out of these people on Saturday night. It is going to make my weekend. I, I, I hope, I hope, uh, the Buffalo inside me hopes that the Buckeyes beat them by 50. 
but maybe, maybe more. That'd be cool. Anything to, you know, stick Scott Frost's foot right down his throat, I'm with. Um, but I will say this. If, if Nebraska ever comes to their senses and goes and hires Coach Bowl up in Laramie, Nebraska is going to be real, real good again because he was there under when Osborne was there, and he he can turn Wyoming into a smash mouth, you know, gut you on the field and and watch you die type of team. That's what that's what they were in Lincoln for many years, and, and Scott Frost hopes that he can get it done. I think Coach Bull knows he can build a tough ass program with a bunch of blue collar kids that maybe get under recruited. So I'm just saying, uh, if Frost does end up getting the big ugly axe in Lincoln, which I mean, I hope the Buckeyes help him do that. My man Tony Alford and Co- and Coach Stud, the old line coach there, and you know, great relationships with them. And I'm really hoping they can take care of business Saturday night. Coach Bull might be a good fit in Lincoln, so I hope they don't figure that out. All right, college football this last weekend was predictable, with the exception of Florida State, uh, UNC, right, Clemson putting 73 on Georgia Tech is. I mean, they're really good, man. I, I, I hope that somebody in the ACC can give them a run. They play Notre Dame down the road, although Notre Dame really struggled with Louisville and beating them 12-7 to at home after two weeks off. Uh, I think you're seeing all around the NFL and college football that certain, certain players and certain teams can handle a lot of time off, and certain players and certain teams just can't. So we'll obviously talk about that as we get into the Broncos and the Patriots as we move forward. But college football this last last weekend was relatively predictable. Uh, the Big Ten getting involved this weekend will definitely spruce up the the bets and and you know the lines and things of that nature. I'm interested to see how good these Big Ten teams are with all the layoff and the ability to go play now as they kind of, kind of try and sandwich their season into this and see if they can get one of their big dogs into the playoff. All right, moving forward, uh, let's wrap up the National Football League here on McChesney Unchained, episode 86. Remember, we're coming to you from the VNVR bar and studio down here off of Colfax. Get down here. This place is incredible. Uh, hats off to everybody involved. Uh, Brandon Spano's really turned this place in, into something special. I think it's, it's probably the best, uh, the best sports atmosphere in, in the state. So get down here and support. Um, the Steelers destroyed Cleveland on Sunday, and – they didn't just destroy them. I, the Baltimore absolutely just killed them the opening week of the season. And now Pittsburgh has just put their pelt on the wall, essentially, 38-7, with Mayfield getting pulled. And, you know, the head coach, Stefanski, can go out and say that he pulled him because of an ankle injury or whatever bullshit reason. But they pulled him because he was getting his ass hammered. I mean, he's getting killed back there. The O-line was getting absolutely slaughtered. Bud Dupree and T.J. Water are a problem. Devin Bush on blitzes is a problem. Cam Hayward one-on-one is a problem. We obviously saw that in Denver when they hurt Drew Locke. Um, Pittsburgh's 5-0 for the first time in a really long time. They have the 5-0 Titans coming in. We'll talk about them here in a minute. But the Steelers are real. Uh, Their defense is about as athletic and ball-hawking as it gets. And if Roethlisberger can stay healthy, I I think this team is primed to have home field advantage. And I – I think they're better than Baltimore, and that's just my opinion. Um, Cleveland, on the other hand, they're four and two. It's not like the the sky's falling. You know, it's they're still in playoff contention. You may get three teams out of the North this year. One never knows. Um, my thing with Cleveland is they they look good against teams that are shitty, 
And they look really, really, really terrible. They look like the shitty team against teams that are good. So they've got to figure out a way to compete with some of these upper echelon teams or they're just going to be 9-7 and seven and a quick out or not even get in. Um, and then people are going to start questioning whether Baker Mayfield is the guy. I love how you know, the, the consistency of the media to just immediately sink their fangs into the negativity. I mean, Baker Mayfield's been pretty damn good at, at orchestrating that offense. I would look at the play calling, why they didn't run the football with the consistency they did in the past, why they weren't helping their two tackles on Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, why they essentially put the game in Baker Mayfield's hands rather than focusing on what got them to that point being 4-1. and one. And, you know, if you remember the game in Dallas, they put 300 yards rushing on the Cowboys. I know everybody does that, but still, that should be your game plan in Turdville trying to figure out how to win games. Uh, so, Cleveland's 4-2. and two. The Steelers are 5-0. and oh. They host the 5-0 and oh Titans on Sunday. I hope they flex that game because it's a damn good one. I could go for Monday night football doubleheaders every damn weekend, by the way. I hope the NFL really looks at that or play Monday and Tuesday. I mean, I, just take over every damn day of the week as far as I'm concerned, Roger Goodell. Um, the Titans and the, the Houston game was ugly. They didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it after they you know, had two weeks off to get ready for Buffalo. You could tell that they were just kind of hanging on to their ass and hoping that they would get a chance to come back, and they did. Tannehill has been playing out of his mind. Derrick Henry... Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry is unlike anything I've ever seen in the NFL. I thought for sure they'd catch him on the 94-yard run and he's just he's he's scary fast for being like 7 foot 400 at running back. I mean that guy's a brick shit house. And he's um, the stiff arm he threw on uh on Josh Norman against Buffalo was outstanding, but some of the moves he had in, in Houston and lowering his shoulder and that 94-yard scamper and you know essentially six Texans having a chance to bring him down and they can't do it. And then the way that they ended the game in the Wildcat formation and him just, you know, st stuffing it down their throat, that's that's Mike Vrabel ass-kicking, you know, smash-mouth football. And Vrabel got a lot of heat on the broadcast from – I can't remember who was doing color, it doesn't matter. You know, when he did the 12-man penalty, oh, that's a terrible penalty, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's a, an extremely heady call – and it gets them an extra 45 seconds. They end up scoring with four seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter to take it to overtime. And if you saw the coin flip, the minute they flipped it and Deshaun Watson figured out that he wasn't getting the ball first, he just turned around and was like, son of a bitch, it's over. Because he knew what, Houston, what Tennessee was going to do, and they went down and did it. Uh, the Texans are a dumpster fire. That's what happens when you let Bill O'Brien run the team, trade everyone, get rid of the best receiver in football, uh, be the GM and the head coach. Um, I mean, that guy's got real reactionary, as the dude says. Um, but, you know, he's gone. So, Romeo Cornell is the intern, and he's about as awful as a head coach as you get as well. Good D.C., but just a terrible head coach. So, they got to find somebody in Houston, and I, I would bet that guy is Eric Bieniemy. So, uh, Bieniemy going down there and getting with, with Deshaun Watson, unless he doesn't want to deal with the salary cap and the fact that he can't sign any players. I guess we'll see. He's going to be a hot commodity. Speaking of the dude – uh, Jeff Bridges was diagnosed with lymphoma, so that's a real bummer, man. That's a that's a bummer. But uh, we're definitely pulling for you there, Duder. So or El Duderino, or if you're not into the whole brevity thing, so <clears throat> that sucks. But 2020 has been a nut kick for the majority of the world. So why not, you know, give the dude cancer? That sounds awesome. Son of a bitch. All right, so 5-0 Steelers, 5-0 Titans. Um, to be completely honest with you, this could be for the number one seed in the AFC. 
I, I don't think Kansas City is going to be the one seed. They got to play the Raiders again, who already beat them once. I think the Broncos will get them once this year, either Sunday or in Arrowhead. Uh, the you know the the they're getting everybody's best shot this year. The Chargers had them beat until you know Justin Herbert did some rookie shit uh, at SoFi in Week Three, I think. So I, I think they'll drop a couple more. Whereas I I think Pittsburgh is going to finish thirteen and three, fourteen and two, and. And I think the Titans are going to finish right up there as well, although they have to play the Colts twice still. So the, the five and O game against the five and O team against the five and O team in the NFL is always a good matchup. I'm excited to watch these two Smash Mouth teams uh, go after each other uh, on Sunday, and I hope they flex the game. Green Bay gets absolutely manhandled uh, in Tampa. They're up ten nothing, and Aaron Rodgers throw a very, throws a very uncharacteristic, you know, lazy pass to the sideline. Uh, his receiver doesn't play back to the ball at all. He kind of just lets the the corner undercut it, and and thirty five takes it to the house. And from that point on, the game was an absolute shit show for Green Bay. But it was the way Tampa Bay is supposed to look, in my opinion. And and if they would have had an entire offseason and an entire preseason, I think you would have seen this earlier. They improved to four and two, and. I think they're the cream of the crop in the South, although New Orleans is going to have some, something to say about that as we go. Uh, Tom Brady is playing out of his damn mind. His adjustments at the line of scrimmage are outstanding. They fixed all their problems from Thursday night football where they had like 13 penalties. They had none on Sunday. Uh, talking to Ryan Jensen after the game, who's the starting center for Tampa Bay and a guy I've been working with down at 6-0 for years. Um, you know, he's – he can just not say enough about the leadership and the adjustments and everything Brady brings to the table, not only to throw the football down the field. He only had like 170 yards passing. It's more about getting the team in the right play. And, you know, Gronkowski got his first score as a buck. Uh, they, they, they're trying to get everybody involved. Ronald Jones went off. They absolutely smashed Green Bay uh, between the tackles, primarily the two guards in the center. I thought Jensen was absolutely dominating Kenny Clark. Uh, the nose tackle for Green Bay, who just got his got a huge contract and is a hell of a player. The, the thing about Green Bay that that bothers me here is, yes, Aaron Rodgers been, has been playing out of his mind, and yes, he's probably still the leader for the MVP. Um, but my thing is that game looked really, really, really similar to San Francisco last year twice. I mean, I watched San Francisco beat the absolute dog shit out of Green Bay last year twice, and even worse in the NFC title game. And it's pretty hard to beat a team twice, especially a good one. And it was kind of the same exact pattern. I mean, they got up by 10, and I thought Green Bay was going to kind of run away with it. And then one bad thing happened, and another bad thing happened, and all of a sudden it's 14-10, and then the Packers are stuck in quicksand, and they got out of their game plan. And when you're stuck in quicksand in the NFL, the harder you pull and the harder you push to get out of it, the deeper you sink, and that's what they did. And they end up losing 38-10, to and it looked bad. And when, you know, the NFL remembers last year when they're 13-3 and and, you know, one of their losses in the regular season is an absolute slacking to the 49ers, and then they go to Santa Clara in the NFC title game and just get their asses beat. Uh, people are going to remember what that looked like, and that's exactly what it looked like Sunday. So they've got to figure that out. They, they, I think they have a little bit of a toughness issue in Green Bay. Uh, they're really athletic and very, very good offensively. That They can rush the passer on defense, but when they get against a team that is equal to them or a little bit better – and I don't know if Tampa Bay is better from an athletic standpoint, but they were better on Sunday. Green Bay shits down their leg, man, and they've done it routinely. So, you know, it's it's a matter of figuring that out, and they've got three 
sample sizes of just getting destroyed, but they have a lot of sample sizes of doing things very well at the same time. So I'm interested to see how Green Bay fares against, you know, against the, the likes of Seattle, against the Bears uh, defense. You know, it, it's, it's going to be – they play they, – you know, they, they have a lot of opportunity to, to turn this around. They went to New Orleans and had a big win earlier in the season – but then again, when you leave this as the natural the 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 game of the weekend and you get beat thirty eight to ten, that ain't good. All right, <clears throat> Kansas City wins uh, on the the first part of the doubleheader on Monday Night Football in a rainstorm in Buffalo with no fans. It was eerie and weird. All the all the the fields being empty with the fake crowd noises freaking me out. I, I can only imagine what it's like as a player. Kansas City went absolutely off in between the tackles. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was, you know, nine yards a carry at one point in the game, absolutely butchering Buffalo in between the tackles. Buffalo, they I think they sat three or four of their starters as healthy scratches as Leslie Frazier, the defense coordinator, was trying to send a message. And that message did not get sent because the Buffalo defense was atrocious yesterday. Uh, they had three or four opportunities for turnovers that they dropped. Of course, Josh Norman dropped the ball. That's what he does. Um stupid bonehead penalties it just seemed like they were trying to out tough Kansas City and Kansas City just went in there and and said okay if you're going to play too high and you're going to take away the 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 deep routes and the seam routes and you're going to double Kelsey and you're going to do this and that in the passing game we're going to gut you for nine yards of carry and that's what they did you know Eric Bieniemy loves running the football Andy Reid loves running the football so it's just a matter of Kansas City didn't adjust and or excuse me Buffalo didn't adjust at all and Kansas City just said, fine, if you're not going to stack the box and you're not going to do anything to stop our momentum, we are just going to keep doing it. And that's what they did the entirety of the game. So it was – it was. Uh, I don't know if it was what you're going to see from Kansas City moving forward, if it was just one game plan, but I'll say this. If they can run the ball that effectively, it's going to be very interesting when they get Le'Veon Bell's lazy ass in the backfield and he's actually motivated – and they get Sammy Watkins back. I mean, this it's already they're already scary as hell. It's a now it's a matter of how on God's green earth are you supposed to cover all of these people? I don't think you can. So we're gonna talk about Kansas City a little bit later as the Broncos host them Sunday in the in the snow, and hopefully it's a damn blizzard. Um, but it, it, I'm still thinking about whether or not we should heat Patrick Mahomes up and go after him or sit back. I, I'm I'm dumbfounded and a little bit confused and still thinking about it, to say the least. And that's probably going to eh, – not probably. It is the Unchained rant today is how the hell we're going to stop Patrick Mahomes. So keep around for that as the show continues. Um, so, yeah, Buffalo Buffalo's tricky. I mean, Buffalo has beaten the Jets, the Dolphins. They've beaten up on some bad teams. They went and beat the Raiders in Vegas, which is a good win. Josh Allen, man, I – when he's bad, he's about as bad as they get. And when he's good, he's pretty damn good. There is no in-between. So they've got to figure out how to support him a little bit better in Buffalo. you got to run the ball in Buffalo, especially in a rainstorm. Kansas City figured that out. Buffalo didn't. Buffalo had the ball like three times in the second half. The time of possession was 40 minutes to like 20. So it was a, it was a thorough ass beating yesterday, and that Buffalo's really got to figure this out because they've dropped two in a row uh, after starting a hot four and zero, and everybody's beating the Josh Allen for MVP drum. And I think maybe he might have heard that a little bit, um, and hasn't prepared the last two weeks the way an MVP does. What makes an MVP is when he hears that he's an MVP, and the and the media is blowing him up, and everybody's patting him on the back. 
He doesn't need affirmation from the whole damn world to know that he's good. Josh Allen needs that affirmation. So when he hears, oh, I'm really good, I'm the MVP, he takes a deep breath and goes, shit, I got to figure it out. And then he looks like crap the last two weeks. He's playing good teams, but still, I thought they were good too in Buffalo. But whereas an Aaron Rodgers, who's already won an MVP here, he's an MVP candidate. I know his team didn't play very well yesterday, but he's been an MVP candidate since their opening week when he torched Minnesota. They went on a run after that. He knows he's good. So that's just a mindset difference in my personal opinion. All right, last night on Monday Night Football in Dallas, I mean, I I was hysterically laughing at the TV at one point with how bad the Cowboys are. I mean, they they are the biggest dumpster fire I've ever seen. It, Jerry Jones deserves this shit, too, because he's a damn control freak and doesn't listen to anybody. And, I, you know, karma's a bitch, bro. I mean, you don't pay your quarterback. He goes down because you didn't invest in your offensive line and they're all hurt. Um, and then you get the Red Rocket Andy Dalton, and he he looked so out of place and uncomfortable. It's It was disgusting. I mean, I, I at one point in the game – I literally was questioning if he should be on the field. And then all of his offensive linemen, where the hell did they come from? When Zach Martin went down, they had five no-names up front. And that's fine. I'm not saying that a no-name guy can't play. I'm saying you may want to sandwich the no-name guy in between like three first-rounders or an all-pro or something. Like, you can't just have five dudes. You can't just go out and be like, hey, you're 6'4", 300. Want to play guard for the Cowboys? Shit, let's go. And that's pretty much what they've done. Um Arizona out-hustled them. They out-hit them. Buda Baker is an absolute animal. Um, Cliff Kingsbury seems to have his shit together down there. I'm hearing a lot of this Kyler Murray reminds me of Tim Tebow shit by the Denver media and Mike Kliss and his – I don't know what he's smoking this morning, but Kyler Murray does not remind anybody of Tim Tebow, dog. He's got great accuracy. He just got heated up. He was on the run all, all night last night. He didn't need to complete 15 of 20. He completed nine balls down the field, nine of 22, and eight of them were like explosive plays. Two of them were touchdowns to Christian Kirk that looked pretty damn accurate to me 70 yards down the field. So that narrative is played out by guys who still think that the, you know, a a pocket passer is everybody's just supposed to stand erect and and just just be in the pocket and negotiate the pocket. It's not the way the NFL works anymore, man. His accuracy isn't an issue. I thought he was on point on all those touchdown passes last night, and I kind of like a quarterback that can run. So keep beating that drum, Cliss. You're wrong. Um, Arizona, Arizona has Seattle twice still. They, you know, they still have to play San Francisco again. I'm eager to see how they play against the Rams. Uh, they, you know, they they lose to Carolina and Detroit, but then they go on the road and just beat the shit out of the the Cowboys last night the way they did. They have a lot of lot of weapons in Arizona. And speaking of DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know how you trade that guy for David Johnson of all people. I mean, that the minute that happened, the owner of the Houston Texans should have walked down and punched Bill O'Brien straight in the face. I mean, like, what are you doing? I'm going to give you another dimple on that chin, you moron. How are you going to trade the best wide receiver in football for a guy who's been hurt for two years and and – I mean, I'm not saying David Johnson's a bad player, but you think maybe we could have gotten him for like a six-rounder or something, not DeAndre fucking Hopkins? That's just me. So, again, when you let Bill O'Brien run your franchise, you see what happens. It's called a nosedive. Or the plane has crashed into the mountain. Moving forward, 
episode 86, McChesney Unchained. Uh, we're down here at the DNVR Barn Studio. Uh, this place is pretty incredible. Make sure you get down here and support. Remember to follow everything at DNVR Sports, uh, at DNVR Unchained for the show, and then uh, for the Turning Point, which we're going to hammer out here in a minute when we get done with the show. And then remember at 60 Academy for Twitter and Instagram and all things uh, that we do online. I really love social media, let me tell you. Um, all right, so the Broncos go to New England and beat the Patriots 18-12. to Brandon McManus, man, that was, uh, that was super damn impressive. Um, definitely going to be the AFC's Special Teams Player of the Week and on track to be first-team All-Pro and, and the, the AFC representative in the Pro Bowl. If he's not, there's a conspiracy going on. Um, we'll get away from the special teams by just saying anybody who says that they can, oh, how hard is it to go kick a ball? You're a complete moron. That's how hard it is. Six for six. So again, I would have preferred touchdowns, but that was pretty damn impressive. Um, number one, the aggression from Fangio is needed and I don't know where it's been and I'm really glad he's doing it. I'm so happy to see him. Blitzing on, on fourth down when he at the end of the game when he blitzed both the safeties, I was applauding in my living room. Go heat Cam Newton up. He hates pressure. Heat everybody's ass up. I'd rather die with no ammo than play cover two and just let them nitpick us down the field. So I, I think that the lack of of depth and the young guys on the team has kind of forced his hand. With all the injuries and, you know, the vets going down, Vaughn not being – he can't just play rush four and sit back and play covers the way he, he's done in the past. He's being forced to kind of be aggressive, and I think he's understanding that that's good. Like, his team is very aggressive, and rather than holding these guys back, let him go. Let him go. I'd rather die by the chainsaw than a thousand paper cuts, man. And th- I'm telling you right now – the Denver Broncos team that we saw on Sunday in Foxborough, that team is a, it can be in the playoffs 100%. They can beat Kansas City on Sunday. The 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 key is going to be is Kansas City going to be able to block them? They lost a they you know they lost the left guard last night and they lost Mitchell Schwartz, so we'll see if Schwartz plays on Sunday who's the best rest, right tackle in football. But I loved the aggression. I loved heating them up. Chick, I thought Chickalo, the, the guy from Pittsburgh, 91, the big Viking out there, had a great game running through the running through the uh, the quarterback on that big hit. Knocking the ball out, pressure constantly, couple of turnovers. And Bradley Chubb, this is the thing. When you bring pressure, it forces one-on-one blocks. And we're going to talk about it in the turning point, but that sugar step pass rush he gave on was the Isaiah win where he sugared him and – and sugar is just a crossover. If you've ever been on a basketball court and crossed anybody's ass over, which some of you haven't, I think Adam's been on a basketball court and crossed somebody's ass over before. Definitely drop step dunk, take it. Um, but it, you know he he sugared win and stuck his left hand right down his inside peck on that single arm, and one arm is longer than two every time in pass rush. And he walked Isaiah Win back to the quarterback and had a massive play in that football game, and it it. That's the way that you want him to play. And again, when you can put two guys on a pass rusher, they can't pass rush. I don't care if you're Khalil Mack, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Derek Thomas. It doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. If you get two guys on you, it's going to be pretty hard to win consistently. But if you bring people consistently and you're bringing five or six and you're putting pressure on the quarterback to to go through his progressions faster and you're putting pressure on everybody uh, up front to make their 
to make their calls and make sure everybody's on the same page. Eventually, somebody's going to fuck up on offense, number one. And then number two, you're going to get one-on-ones with your best player against, I mean, Isaiah Wynn's a first-rounder from Georgia, so he should be able to hold up against a first-rounder from NC State, and he just got dominated. So all the Bradley Chubb haters, man, he tore his ACL. It hasn't even been a year. I think it's been a year two weeks ago. So I guess it has been a year. Good job, Matt. Um you give the kid time to get back. I mean, he, he looks pretty damn dominant to me. We'll put it like this. He looks dominant enough right now to trade Vaughn. Ooh, God forbid I say trade Vaughn. Oh, my God. Um, but that's just, that is what it is. Now, the, the question is going to be, and we'll talk about this again on the Unchained Rant here at the end of the show, and think about this. Can they heat up Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes when they can't cover tight ends and they can't cover backs out of the backfield. That's going to be the, the key here this weekend. Are you going to bracket Kelsey and leave the receivers one-on-one? Are you going to be able to cover the backs out of the backfield with your linebackers because Josie Jewell and, and Johnson couldn't cover? You know, they, they can't cover. They're terrible. I mean, they couldn't hit sand if they fell off a camel in the middle of the damn desert. So, And they struggle with tight ends as well. And everyone struggles with Travis Kelsey. It's not like – They've got some magic player on defense to go cover his ass. Nobody can. So that's going to be the key is, do you want to sit back and let Mahomes sit back there and dictate down the field, or are we just going to chase his ass the whole day? Because I, I, I'm sort of thinking that chasing is the right uh, way, but one never knows. I guess we'll figure it out at the Unchained Rant at the end of the show. Um, all right, so I love the aggression with the Blitz and, and everything that Fangio did there, and it's good to see him. Uh, kind of break out of his shell and change a little bit too and and go after people rather than sit back and just play good techniques on defense. Um, second part here, and I'm just going to be blunt. <clears throat> I've said this many times and pretty much every week this season. I think the Melvin Gordon signing is an absolute travesty. I thought it was a total waste of money and 30 should have gotten that bread. And the fact that he didn't, if I'm Phil Lindsay, yeah, I love it here and all that shit, but when free agency comes – you know they're going to lowball his ass and he's going to be gone. And that's what Denver does, man. They develop people for other teams. That's the same thing that's going to happen to Garrett Bowles. He's now at an, he's playing at an all-pro level. I can't believe I'm saying that. And ka, 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 I'll, keep, I'll eat crow all day. I don't care. I'm glad that he's playing the way he is. But I saw, on Sunday, I saw a ton of, again, air quotes, media members out there talking about what Garrett Bowles is going to do at the end of the season, and he's going to command a huge contract. They've already offered him a contract. He said no. He didn't like the numbers. Homeboy's hitting free agency. I don't think he liked the four years of you can't play. Again, he couldn't play, but he didn't like it. He may want to go have a fresh start somewhere. And that's what, look, in the NFL, if you spite a player on a contract, they don't have to resign with you. And I think Denver, the Broncos and Broncos country are going to figure that out when they try and lowball Bowles to get him to resign and they try and lowball Phil Lindsay. He's going to go, oh, you just signed Melvin Gordon right with his ass. So I, I think Melvin Gordon is the worst free agent signing since Michael, Michael Dean Perry. Um, and that's saying something. I, I, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm saying they could have done something else with that money. They could have gone after other players. Rather than, rather than saying to Phil, you're not a three-down back after back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons and then watching him on Sunday off injury and how hard that kid ran, 
He is the heart and soul of the Denver Broncos, just like he was the heart and soul of the Colorado Buffaloes when he was up there. At some point, the people in the front office up there, i.e. John Elway and everybody else, has got to use their damn eyeballs and stop just being infatuated with a first-round running back from another fucking team. Phil Lindsay is the answer. You let that guy leave, he's going to end up on the Chiefs or the Raiders or the Patriots, for God's sakes, and we're going to have to deal with them. Not only that, he's going to be super motivated. The same way that he was motivated to go run for whatever, over 100 the other day, 6-0 when the Broncos, when he goes for 100 yards, the Broncos are 6-0. and And if I sound perturbed about this, I am. It pisses me off. I know Phil personally. I've worked with him hundreds of times. He's my guy. Melvin Gordon is a prima donna first rounder that's drinking on Tuesday night. And then, oh, he got strep throat. Oh, how convenient. I mean, come on, man. Do we look just like a bunch of freaking morons around here? I mean, I know I look dumb, but I, I'm not. He's going to be suspended for another three weeks, and he should be. Any professional athlete, let me reiterate this, any professional athlete that drives drunk and gets caught, you're a moron. They literally have this thing. It's called safe rides. You call them, an ex-cop picks you up in a town car and drives your ass home. Driving your Benz or your Bentley down to, you know, hook up with some scrumpet that everybody else on the team is hooked up with on a Tuesday night really isn't that appealing. And not what I'm looking for from my air quote leader after his best game last weekend. I think the Melvin Gordon signing is atrocious. They should have paid Phil. And if I was 30, I'd be doing everything humanly possible to have a great year this year. And then I'd tell Elway, 10 million a year, bro, or I'm out. <laughs> uh, pay 30! What are you doing? I'd just cut Gordon right now if I was Denver. They can cut him with no penalty. He got a DUI. Read the contract. Cut his ass. I know it's harsh, but still, I'd rather 30, I'd rather 30 get all the carries because I don't want to have this conversation where three weeks down the road, Melvin Gordon comes back and everyone's like, oh, we've got to split the carries. Why? What do we need to split the carries for? I mean, it's okay to just admit that you made a mistake. If the guy wouldn't have gone out drinking on Tuesday night, I'd probably have a different opinion, but he did. And then he got, quote-unquote, strep throat. Really? Hmm. Maybe you shouldn't be making out with the floozy on Tuesday night and you wouldn't get strep throat. And then that's another thing here. I mean, are people really out hooking up during COVID? Like, people are still going to the bars and, like, slobbing each other down, Melvin? Ugh. Nasty. I'm just saying, pay 30. He wasn't out on Tuesday night slobbering down. He was trying to figure out, you know, that getup that he wore to New England where he looks like a 70s porn star with with the pink shirt and it's all open like halfway down his chest with the huge fro. Just saying. That Dolomite music right when he walks in the room. All right, so the offensive line, I thought they played their ass off on on Sunday. Um, They did everything they were supposed to do. Drew got hit a couple of times, but some of it was on him as well, holding the ball a little bit longer. Uh, Reisner goes out, and 71, Austin Slotman uh, steps in and plays his ass off. He had a couple of huge blocks to spring fill as that game went on. Uh, Austin's another guy that I've been working with down at 6-0 for years, and it's really good to see him step in. Uh, for Reisner, another Dungeon family guy uh, that has been working down there for years, it's good to see him step in there and have success. I really think that Austin is a diamond in the rough that they need to figure out a way to keep around because he's going he's gonna to be very intriguing uh, as an undrafted free agent when his deal's up. Uh, but he played his ass off, but really it's Cushenberry. You didn't hear his name, and that's, the, that's a good thing. I thought the young rookie played really, really well. 
Um, Bowles played really well. Dotson played really well. Uh, Glasgow played really well. I just, I, I loved everything about it. You know, Munchek and Cooper had them ready. And look, man, with two weeks, you should be ready. I'm not saying that's the reason they won, but it plays into it. And the Patriots only being able to practice twice, that also plays into how they lost. But at the same it's not an excuse. It just is what it is. I don't know why people are so reluctant just to say it. The Broncos practiced a ton in two weeks and got ready for the Patriots. The Patriots practiced twice and really didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready for the Broncos other than virtual meetings. And that could have been the difference in six points. I'm glad it happened the way it did. I mean, shit, I put 200 bucks on the game and hit. So I'm with it. I picked, I picked Oakland over Kansas City last week for another 200, and I hit that, too. So I'm with that. Um, the offensive line, if they can figure out a way to play consistently like this with no penalties and controlled and a good mix of run to pass, and I thought with the exception of the fourth quarter, Pat Schumer did a really good job. We're going to talk about that here in a minute, uh, the, the, the great give back of 2020 almost. Um, but the offensive line – when you, when you play call correctly for three, for three uh, quarters and you have the ability to run the ball like that, you move the pocket as well as they did, and Drew Locke was pretty good uh, considering his receivers dropped four touchdown passes. The Broncos have the worst drop rate in football. Four touchdowns dropped. They beat the, they beat the Patriots 45-10 to 10 if they catch the damn ball. I'm just – a lot can read into numbers. That's all I'm saying. Pat Schumer didn't do him any favors in the, in the fourth quarter when he's calling the boneheaded-ass plays. He's calling to him we're throwing picks. That's as much on the coordinator as is it on the quarterback. The young quarterback's obviously going to try and make a play. He's in, he's in New England where you don't sit back on your heels. So I'm glad that they're being aggressive, but you think we could run the ball a little bit maybe or play action, not just straight drop thrown to double coverage? Um. Do I think Locke's the future? I don't know. Maybe. If they finish 3-13, and 13, no. If they finish 9-7, and seven, yeah, I'm with it. I mean, it's what it is. Winning is way more important than stats. I could give a shit what his numbers were. I'm glad they won. It gives, you know, the four drops. Is, look, I can handle the drop to Judy. He's a baby. I, can, I don't like the two drops by Alberto, but it's his first game. You know what I can't handle? I can't handle Deshaun Hamilton. Who just needs to play special teams from now on, in my opinion, or they got to figure out a way to activate somebody else. Maybe let Cleveland play. But when you beat the reigning NFC or NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, straight and Drew Locke literally hands you the ball seventy yards down the or forty yards down the field, which could have been a seventy-yard touchdown pass, and you drop it, and you've dropped damn near everything we've thrown you. We everything the Broncos have thrown you in the last three years you've been here. It's a pattern. And that pattern says maybe you should have played corner in college because you can't catch. So, again, I know he gets really sensitive about people on, on, on Twitter that, would, that say catch the ball and he dogs them. You know, who the, who the fuck are you? Just some regular guy. Don't tell me how to catch the ball. Bro, people are catching COVID at an amazing rate. You can't even catch the football. Figure it out. Stop reading Twitter, dummy. You're a professional athlete. Put it away for the season. The fact that you're even responding to some meathead on Twitter telling you to catch the ball just tells me how fragile and frail you are mentally. Just saying, catch the ball. I know how to get under Hamilton's skin, walk by him and go, hey, catch the ball. Oh, you catch the ball. Ah! It's an after, I mean, let's cry about it, why don't we? Just saying, catch the ball and score a touchdown on the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. That would be pretty cool. 
Uh, Drew Locke, it, it, the more help he gets, the better he's going to look, and that's pretty consistent with every quarterback in the history of quarterback play. Um, and that's going to be the key this weekend. You can't kick field goals against Kansas City and win. I didn't think you could kick field goals against New England and win, um, but they did. They kicked six of them and won. I couldn't believe it. Um, they should feel very, very good about everything but their finish. They need to find out how to finish. And Kansas City has weaknesses just like everybody else. They're not invincible, but they are extremely sound technique-wise. They aren't going to beat themselves very much. You know, Kelsey fumbled the ball last night going in to kick a field goal, and I thought that the, there was a nuclear meltdown, like the world was over. And that's okay. That's I'd rather have my leader a little bit pissed off at himself and ready to go back out and dominate in the second half. And you could tell by the way he was blocking people. I mean, he, he I've never seen somebody run full speed at linebackers more and then dive at their ankles at the last second than K- Travis Kelsey. I love watching it. It's funny as hell. Because every defensive player on earth thinks that he's going to take him up top and he just cuts the shit out of him. Um, and he did it consistently the entire second half. You could tell he was pissed off about dropping the ball. I love the, the, you know, the frame of him and EB hugging each other after, after halftime because EB was hot at Kelsey when he walked off the field screaming at him. And look, competitors and great coaches, that's what they do. They give a shit. And every time somebody yells or says a curse word on the football field, we don't need to have a fucking PTA meeting about it. It's one of the problems I have down at 6-0. Every time I coach a kid, I've got to apologize. That's not the way the NFL works, man. It's not the way football works. You either are going to show up and bust your ass and do it the right way, or we'll find somebody else. This train keeps rolling, baby. And, and that, there's, there's your question for this weekend. The Broncos sitting at 2-3. and three. All right, and the Chiefs sitting at five and one, five and one. Chiefs are five and one, right? Whatever. They're four and one, five and one. They're good. They're at the top of the AFC West. And this is the Unchained Rant. Do you or don't you heat up Patrick Mahomes? Do you try and confuse him with the Blitz? Because I guarantee you, they're going to be ready to pick it up. The only thing I will say about it is. Last year in the 30-6 to beatdown in, in, in Sports Authority where Matt Moore played the majority of the game, and then in the 23-3 to beatdown in the snow in Kansas City, Denver's defense looked exactly the same in both games. They sat back. They, you know, Mahomes was running around and, and dictating to the defense. There is no pocket with Patrick Mahomes. It's the more lanes you give him, the worse off you are. You know, he, it's almost like you have to – you have to squeeze. You have to destroy the front of the pocket with good defensive line play and defensive tackle play, which Shelby Harris is about as good as doing that as as anybody. Uh, I saw Buffalo bat a ton of balls yesterday at the line of scrimmage, and I think Shelby Harris might be the best guy in the NFL at doing that. Uh, so, and then you know we saw Williams stretch out and get the get the interception, the big defensive lineman. Maybe you should go teach Deshaun Hamilton how to catch because that was pretty outstanding. I'm just saying that the blueprint for, for how to beat Kansas City is face pressure on Mahomes, and then the two defensive ends not running around the quarterback and running into each other, but when you get even with the cue, your inside move, and then maybe you've got extra contained. So we're bringing five or six or seven every play, so he's got to get rid of the ball faster. Faster decisions are going to lead to more mistakes. It's going to lead to fumbles. It's going to lead to quick picks. So you've got to get in the face of the receivers. You've got to figure out a way. And who is going to guard Tariq Hill? And then who is going to go and, and, and be on Travis Kelsey? Because you can't play pressure defense 
with with these blitz combos and these pirate looks where you're dropping backside defensive ends and bringing these zone blitzes, the Don Caper zone. You can't do all that if you can't cover Kelsey and you can't cover Hill. And, you know, Tyreek Hill has eaten the Broncos alive in the past. Travis Kelsey eats everybody alive, but he loves playing Denver. And, I, man, the Broncos are due against Kansas City, man. This is – I think this is a benchmark game. And every every Chief fan, they – they they laugh at like, oh, it's a benchmark game. Ha <laughs> ha, Denver sucks. Homeboy, you didn't win shit in 50 years. Just pump your freaking brakes there, Kansas City barbecue dude. For 50 years, you were the best regular season team choking the playoffs every year. So what, you won one? We got three. People in Denver know how to win too. So I think this is a benchmark game for, for this Bronco team, but at the same time, it, Kansas City, can you do it again? Can you stay on this path? And I personally think the Broncos are primed for a massive upset on Sunday. And I'm taking them. I'm taking the Broncos at home in the snow. Just saying. Uh, that's the Unchained rant there for you. And <clears throat> on uh, DNVR's McChesney Unchained, episode 86, I'm taking the Broncos over the Chiefs this weekend. That's my pick. All right? There's that. that I guarantee you the Chiefs are going to be huge favorites against the Broncos at home. I'm telling, taking money line Broncos just like I took them last week and I took the Raiders against the Chiefs two weeks ago. So if you want to make some money, listen to the big guy. Um, and do it on DraftKings. Keep that in mind. This is episode 86 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from the studio and bar down here at DNVR off of Colfax. Thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate all the support. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday to talk about and wrap up Denver, Kansas City. And hopefully everybody's out there counting their money after listening to the big guy uh, and getting ready for, for uh, the rest of the season here as the Broncos uh, prepare to go on a nice little run. A 3-3 three and three even after 6 sounds pretty damn good beating the Patriots and the Chiefs in that mix after starting 0-3. So team's got a lot of heart, and uh, I think that the addition of Phil Lindsay uh, back into the swing of things it really, really interjected some some uh, some pride and passion back into that team, and you can see it. So, again, pay thirty and uh, get Melvin Gordon the f out of here. That's episode eighty six. I'm Matt McChesney. Thanks for listening.